Welcome to episode number seven of the Grab Blogger podcast, where we're helping academics change the world through online business. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. Today's interview, we're talking with Dr. Sarah Langworthy about her experience in recording video and putting video on YouTube and how that drives her business today. This is the third and final of the live interviews that we recorded as part of the podcast launch party that we had on April 13th, 2019 in the Grab Blogger Connect Facebook group. And we actually pre-recorded this interview, showed it during the, the launch day, and now want to share that great information with the podcast as well. So Sarah's background is, is quite extensive in using video. I won't go through her education background and her entrepreneurship background because I actually talk about that a lot in the, the intro to the podcast episode, so you'll hear that in just a minute. Um, but in the, the episode itself, we do get into her process for recording video, how video has really played a critical role in driving her business, what kind of technology skills, what kind of tools and equipment you might need to get started. We also get into her thoughts and ideas on different ways to make money through your video, both indirect processes by promoting other businesses and actually direct monetization on things like YouTube as well. If you want to get the show notes, a PDF of the show notes for this episode, you can do that at the show notes at grabblogger.com slash seven for this episode. And we actually put together a cheat sheet with the top eight ways that Sarah and I come up with through this episode to make money through video creation. And you get that at the show notes as well. As always, I appreciate you listening to the Grab Blogger podcast. I know you're going to learn a ton through today's interview with Sarah, and I really hope you enjoy learning from her knowledge. So welcome to the first live video recording for the Grab Blogger podcast. This is actually going to be a video cast with Dr. Sarah Langworthy. We are supposed to be recording this live for the podcast launch day, which will be April 13th, which is where people will be, be seeing this video first. We're also going to strip out the audio, and this is going to be a, a podcast episode. So you'll be seeing that in a couple of weeks, hopefully pretty quickly, actually, after the, after the Grab Blogger podcast launch. But for those that are tuning in live here at the, the podcast launch day, the topic here is how does video drive your business? Um, Sarah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I know you have a ton, ton of experience, and I know we can kind of dig that out of you and get that out to the audience. So thank you for coming. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today and to talk about video and whatever else you want to ask. <laughs> yes, yeah. Here with the with the podcast and with this launch day, we're really, really, really looking to help academics build businesses and change the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. And I know you've done a bit of all of them, but what I really know your experience from. Well, actually, I've listened to all your podcasts as well, and we'll get into that. But the video that I've seen you've been doing recently over the last. Uh, year or two has been exceptionally well. So that's why I wanted to have you on. So I I asked Dr. Langworthy for a tagline for a website. And she said, Sarah is a consultant, speaker, author, YouTuber, podcaster, and self-proclaimed nerd who loves helping organizations take an honest look at their surroundings and blaze their own trail. So the reason I like, I want to bring this up is, is consultant, speaker, author, YouTuber, podcaster, and probably a bunch of other things too. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) which is actually one of the, the really big reasons I want to have you on so early in the podcast um, and get you in here today is just that level of experience is hard to find for somebody that's been self-employed for that, that kind of period of time. So Sarah has a, has a PhD in childhood development. Um, I know her from the self-employed PhD community, which we were both members of probably a year and a half, two years ago, and, and still are with Beyond Prof today with uh, Dr. Jennifer Polk, who you will have seen earlier in the, the podcast launch day or heard earlier in the podcast, if you're listening. She also has a, a podcast with Dr. Katie, Katie Linder, 
called now called Make Your Way Podcast. When I when I used to do his academic gig, but I think you have to search and find it under Make Your Way now. Um, she has a book, Bridging the Relationships Gap, which I believe is about childhood development as well. And then her YouTube channel, if you go check that out at the Developmental Enthusiast channel on YouTube, you can see videos from three years ago on childhood development, see more recent videos on how to prepare for a crisis, how to work from home, how to make money as a freelancer, having some really important conversations about how do you get paid, how much should you get paid, why you shouldn't ask for $10 an hour and, and other great topics like that. So I give that big summary because I want to share Sarah's kind of immense background just with the, with the audience here today. And then we're going to get into the, the real topic, which is how does video drive your business? So Sarah, for the first kind of, kind of information for the audience, I'd like to start at, at where we're at today and then kind of work our way backwards. So if you could, what is your, your business today or even your businesses today? Where are you, where are you making business as an academic entrepreneur? Well, thank you for the introduction. First of all, that was, it's always interesting hearing your own stuff come back at you. You're like, oh, I have done a lot of things. <laughs> so that was delightful. Um, and to answer the question about where things are right now, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, I'm doing a lot of different kinds of things. Um, primarily, I'm doing a lot of speaking and training and, and uh kind of video work um, in this child development field, but I also have my foot in the video consulting, organizational consulting kind of world too. I really like having a diversity of things that I'm working on. A lot of times we get told in the business world that you really need to niche down to like one particular thing that you're focusing on. And I am a sort of self-identified multi-potentialite, <laughs> which means I love doing lots of different things. Google it. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. The book is How to Be Everything. It's by Emily Wapnick. If you have not read it and what I'm saying about lot, doing lots of different things appeals to you, go read the book. It's, it's great. So I, I do need to cut in because I, I looked at my wife three years ago before I started Dust Safety Science when I was thinking about leaving my corporate job and said, after I saw the TED Talk, said, I think I might be a multi-potentialite. And she said, what the heck is that? Um, anyway, but, and now we're here we are three years later. So go check out the, the TED Talk and the book on that because it's highly recommended. Exactly. It's, it's great. Um, yeah, so, so these days uh, you can kind of find me doing, uh, like I said, pr presentations and trainings, lo uh, largely with um, school districts or other um, kind of early childhood development focused organizations, primarily in the Midwest, Midwest here in the United States, and then also doing some things online with online video and kind of packaging some things for, again, for, for the idea of training and sort of public education around the topics that I covered in my book around trauma and stress in early childhood. And then on the other side of the world, I love doing video uh, and making video. And so I have my YouTube channel and that sort of thing where I'm doing a lot of creative content over there. Um, I have a series over there that I'm calling the Honestly series that dives into some of these deeper topics around, like you said, uh, you know, how to handle a crisis or how much should you get paid for freelancing and some of those kinds of things that I've really had to wrestle with in both my personal life as well as in my business life over the last couple of years. In addition to that, I like to do a lot of consulting work. And so I, I love helping organizations and individuals kind of figure out what do I need to do next? You know, if you feel stuck or if you're like, I don't know how to move forward here. I love helping people think through those kinds of things, especially as it relates to how can I use video in my business or in our organization's work to reach new audiences or to meet people where they are um, in online spaces. And so I love nerding out and talking about that, which is why I'm really happy to be here today. <laughs> Yay. 
Well, we're, we're happy to, to be able to glean some of your experience with all that. Um, so kind of what I took from that is really, you have a lot of different things, but two of the big ones are content creation and speaking and training with childhood development with your PhD thesis area and your, your doctorate kind of do with your research. And then you also have this other component where you're doing consulting and training with corporations, nonprofits, um, individuals that are, are like, I don't know where to go kind of with my business mission or even if it's a nonprofit mission um, and then lacing video into that and coming up with a strategy and, and moving forward. So those, those two areas are really interesting. It's good to see. I kind of ended in the same, same dichotomy where I have an independent research company. We're self-funded and we're trying to change the world. And then I have grad blogger, which is trying to help other people build other academics build on their business. So it's a good split. Where did, how did you get started as a academic entrepreneur, as a self-employed PhD or whatever we're calling ourselves these days? <laughs> whatever the title is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so I, um, I did my PhD here at the University of Minnesota um, in child psychology and pretty early on in my grad school career, I knew I didn't want to go the traditional researcher track. I didn't want to stay in academia long-term and what was really fascinating and interesting to me was this idea of how do we communicate what we're learning in the research world in ways that is useful for the general public and for people who are working in areas related to child development. And so this idea of using video really came in when I was watching a lot of YouTube, um, kind of in the, um, I don't know, 2010, 2012 uh, timeframe, and uh, was really kind of getting this feel that like, hey, there's a space here for educational content on YouTube. And I had been watching several other educational creators doing really cool things. Not watering down their content, but distilling it into nuggets that were really helpful for people, whether they were learning this content for the first time or whether they were trying to do a deep dive on a particular um, content area or subject matter. And so I didn't see a lot of other people kind of working in the developmental psychology space in YouTube. And so I was like, well, let's try to make some YouTube videos. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, and so it was a lot of just like, let's, let's try. And I don't know, this is going to probably be awful for a while and then it'll be okay. And so, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to people about video, they'll be afraid that their first video is going to suck. And I'm like, yeah, no, your first video is going to suck. It's okay. Everybody's first video sucks. So <laughs> just got to dive in and get going. But, um, you know, I had a lot of fun kind of thinking about how to talk about different areas of the, the content that I specialized in. You know, I've got a video that is about the concept of resilience or the ability to kind of bounce back from hardship in life. And I use the story of Harry Potter to exemplify the sort of scientific things that we've studied about resilience, but with Harry Potter characters. And so drawing these connections between kind of pop culture things or things that are kind of in the common vernacular and tying those to these really specific concepts that we talk about all the time in developmental psychology was something that was really fascinating and fun for me to dive into. And so then that kind of rolled from there. And, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to write a book several years ago, and that was fabulous and wonderful experience. Um, and so I was able to kind of tie all of that together into this kind of presentation side of things. And I'll, I will say that the video, I think video making has helped me get presentation gigs. It shows that I can speak to a camera and to a group of people in an interesting and compelling way that I, I know what I'm talking about, but I can also be relatable. Um, and so I think as, as those who are watching and listening, if you're thinking about 
doing video, especially online video, the more that you can come across as your authentic self and the more personality that you have, you know, infusing humor where you can, you know, be a real person and also a scientist or and also a specialist in your field. You know, the more of that that you can do, I think it's really powerful and comes across well in video and can open some doors for you that you wouldn't necessarily be expecting. So it's a great opportunity to kind of start down that trail. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording just on because we've we've been in in similar circles and um, we've done a ton of these different meetups, especially with the self-employed PhD group. Um, so we've seen each other's businesses kind of develop. And the real big thing that we were talking about before we came on was just the amount of opportunities. And that's the right word that would come up if you're if you're willing to create content and put into the world mm-hmm. based on your research experience or based on your expertise or based on whatever you love. They're, they're really endless. And I, I shot a social media video the other day promoting this Grabbler podcast launch. And I was actually getting my desk set up. I have the standing desk we had up and the mic out to do an interview with a, an individual, an expert in this field in, in Shanghai, in China, three years ago. I mean, that wouldn't even have been on my radar as a possibility. And things like writing books, um, things like consulting with large companies, things like consulting with nonprofits. Um, those are just opportunities that really come through creating video, they come through podcasts and they come from blogging, just this content creation field. And the more academics that can get into it, the, the bigger change I think we can have collectively in the world. I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully spur that along with this podcast. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool space. You mentioned a couple of things and I'm trying to figure out if we should go towards monetization or if we should go through towards technology. Maybe because I want the, the listeners to, to keep listening till the end, we're going to even save the monetization. But I mentioned we're going to talk about some different <laughs> monetization stuff in a second. But before we get to that, can you just go through your process? So you're thinking you want to shoot a video. What do you do? Do you write a full script? Do you- <laughs> How do I do? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and that's one that, that I get a lot, um, especially you know, when you're thinking about your particular research area or your content area, it's a little bit different for me uh, if I'm doing that kind of video as opposed to something that's maybe a little more personal or a little more kind of, you know, talking about freelancing and money, for example. But usually my process involves writing a script of some sort. So it's basically like a, like if I were going to write a blog post. Um, but I will also note that my voice, the voice that I use, I put that air, put that in air quotes, for video is actually kind of different than the voice I use for blogging. And part of that is just over the years becoming more comfortable with being on camera and knowing kind of what that persona feels like. And so I write out a script. Uh, it's usually fairly especially if I'm going into research concepts, it's going to be fairly specific. And I do tend to make sure that I am hitting all of the concepts I want to hit. And so I will have a script in the background while I'm filming. So I write the script to get all the things that I want to make sure I cover into the script. Usually I try to shoot for five to eight minute videos or so. I find much less than that. And it's a little difficult to get deep enough into a content area, much longer than that. And you're really beginning to push the limits of what your viewers might be willing to watch in a sitting. And so then when I get um, to the place of filming, you know, I I have a a camera that I use and I kind of set that up, but I've got my script off to the side. I have colleagues who've used teleprompters. I have done that once and I didn't love it. It, 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 it kind of interfered with my interaction with the camera. 
and one thing I'll say about interacting with the camera is that you do have to sort of pretend that you're talking to the people who are on the other side of the camera. It's hard when you're, you realize like I am right now that like I'm talking alone in my office and anybody who would be walking by outside would be like, what is she doing? Um, So you kind of have to just put yourself in that presentation kind of mode. And so I will often do several takes of the same portion of script over and over and over again. I will also do a lot of bloopers in that <laughs> that stream, uh, which is really fun. So um, a lot of the more polished videos you'll see on YouTube, the the secret is that it takes a lot of, of edits and a lot of tries to get some of those longer strings of sentences put together. And so then I will have, you know, chunks of text that I'll try to group together as I'm filming. You know, sometimes as I'm filming, I'll, I'll be like, I don't like the phrasing of that. I'll adjust things on the fly. But then once I get the, the video co- content, then it's, then it's down to editing. And that's a really fun process for me. I really enjoy the editing process because it allows me to review the footage that I have and think about okay, which, which tone fits better here if I did a slightly different take in one area or another. And it, it really lets me kind of piece things together. Normally, I stay within the script and I, I kind of keep in line with the script. But sometimes as I'm editing, I'll find, oh, no, this section actually goes much better up here. And so it's really nice to kind of play around with that and figure out, again, like, where, am I, where do I want to put text on the screen if I want to do that, if I want to really um, highlight a particular concept or that sort of thing. So I enjoy the editing process a great deal. I think it's it's the sort of creative energy I get from that is is kind of my favorite <laughs> kind of creative energy. But the scripting and the and the filming are are kind of the harder parts of the process for me. But I also have a lot of colleagues who don't do a full script, but who will do an outline. <laughs> are you one of those, Chris? <laughs> so I, I'll actually I'll, I want to jump in because there's an important distinction here. You just said that you thoroughly enjoy the editing process. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly do not enjoy the editing process. <laughs> so I, I bullet point and I have scripted. I'll, I, I'll script specific stories when I'm giving a presentation on stage mm-hmm. or like go-to things, mostly so that I can review how it went and, and make a change if I want to kind of mix it up. When I'm shooting video, I tend to, to sort of bullet point out and then go with the flow. Um, I did want to throw two tips in. So the big thing is if you enjoy the editing process, you're probably going to be better at doing a lot more takes and editing because you're probably not dreading the whole editing process. <laughs> I am the whole time. Probably true. <laughs> um, two tips to about that rung in my mind when, when you said, uh, when you're talking about the different steps. One is I actually turn on another video. Like I'll turn on, say I'm, if I'm doing shooting through ScreenFlow or some app application on my computer, I'll turn on Zoom so I can see myself. Mm. And I, I think that helps me a bit with the, with the uh, feeling of not having an audience because there's somebody there, even if it's because <laughs> um, I've tried it without seeing, being able to see myself and it is kind of disconcerting. I'm not, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that I like to do is I, if I mess up or if I don't like how something comes out, keep going and I'll go back and reshoot the whole thing. And then if I need to edit, I might have three go throughs of the same material I can kind of just mix and match the sections that I like. I find if I if I stop and then try to reshoot then, stop and reshoot then, you know, something I thought was going to take half an hour ends up taking my whole day to, to get through. So I try to shoot the whole thing start to finish. And if I have to, I'll shoot certain sections sort of start to finish again, but try to work through those. Um, sometimes you find some gold nuggets too that come out of those those struggles. But yeah, I had to put my hand up on, I, I'm definitely hate editing and I think that <laughs> me being a bullet pointer. Um, 
Yeah. And then, and that's a great point. Like there, there are different ways to do this. Uh, there is no one, one size fits all approach to this. So it's really what you're comfortable with. If you feel like you need more scripting to, to get the information across correctly or, or to feel like you, you know what you're going to say and how you're going to get there, then script. If you feel like oh, I got this in my sleep, I could do this. You know, I just need a couple of bullet points to get me through, like do that. Whatever is going to make you most comfortable on camera is really the best way to go. And there's a lot you can fix with editing. <laughs> and there's a lot that you can do um, to, to really scaffold your learner if you're doing educational content. Um, and, and whether that's with graphics or um, animations or, or you know text on the screen or those kinds of things, the more practiced you get at editing, the more you can kind of cover your own flubs a little bit <laughs> when you're talking direct to camera. I mean, I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's right. I will mention, so those of you that are watching this during the podcast launch party in Grabbler Connect, um, you can still leave your questions below and we'll actually reshoot this and, and add to it later. I may be, I'm making this promise to my future self, but I may be able to help you at the end of this video recording. I may not be as well, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll get Sarah back on to go through some of those. If you're listening in the future in the podcast. Go to the show notes, which will be in some sort of intro, grabblogger.com slash whatever number this ends up being. And you can leave them there and we'll, we'll get back to you that way as well. So I want to ask you the big question that most people are probably thinking, not the monetization question. I'm going to ask that next. But the other big question is, I'm a technophobe. I've never used a computer. You know, should I just discount video? Like, is it way too hard? Or, or <laughs> what kind of technology skills does somebody need to be able to, to start doing their own videos? Yeah, that, that's probably the most common question that comes up for video, um, especially if you're new to it. It can seem really intimidating, especially when you think about like TV production, like the amount of equipment that goes into that is intense. But the great thing is, is that we, we most of us have these little devices, otherwise known as our smartphones, which have really, really high quality cameras on them. I mean, higher quality than most of us have had in our entire lifetimes. Um, and they shoot great video as well. So, you know, there are ways to use your phone or to, to really kind of keep it tech simple, um, especially as you're just getting started. I don't recommend investing in a ton of video equipment right off the bat if, if you don't know that video is what you want to do. So, you know, you can, you can shoot a lot of really great stuff on your, on your, on your phone and use that. Um, there's actually like, you can do editing on your phone now. I mean, there's all kinds of apps and things just on your phone <laughs> that make video a lot easier. So I would say, you know, definitely don't be afraid of jumping into it a little bit. You know, like I said earlier, like you're, you're going to mess up and it's not going to look as great as you maybe want it to be in your head, but you're only going to get better by practicing and, and keeping at it. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of complicated editing software you can get, but there's also a lot of freeware that is available either on your standard computer that you, you're probably working on or, or watching this on right now, or, you know, there are things that you can get online for pretty inexpensive, if not free to begin that process of learning how to edit and learning how to, you know, do video well. So I would say, you know, jump in. It's, it's a lot easier to do video now than it ever has been. And it's only going to get easier, I think. <laughs> so, you know, if I could give a couple of, of things, you know, if you've got your smartphone, try to get a, either get one of those little tripods so you can get the little ones that like hook onto your phone and that are very small and, and portable. I have one somewhere. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> I have a gorilla. I think gorilla pod. Is yeah. Like the little gorilla pod ones. Right. Um, so if you want to invest in something like that, otherwise I know fairly established video bloggers who will just set up their phone like 
on a stack of books. <laughs> so like you can do it that way too. But, and aside from that, really the primary thing I would, I would suggest people focus on is actually audio, not the video quality. So the first thing you would want to invest in would be a microphone. I am currently, let's see if I can do this without making a whole lot of noise. I am currently recording on a blue Yeti. I'm showing for those of you who are listening on the podcast and don't have the visual medium, you don't, you don't know that, but I have a blue Yeti that I do a lot of my podcasting and things on. I've used that for video before. It works really well. I also have a couple of really inexpensive um, lavalier mics that just plug into your phone and you can record using voice memos or another application like that. So there are ways, again, ways to do video relatively inexpensively. And so, and in terms of getting to know the software, a lot of it is just kind of trial and error and play around with some stuff. And if you aren't a trial and error kind of person, there are so many tutorials <laughs> online about how to use too many things, too many, right? Like you can go down the rabbit hole for days. So, you know, there's resources out there for how to, how to get started. And, um, but really I recommend just jump in and try some stuff, you know? Fill, fill your gaps in learning where you need to, but get out there and do it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the the one summary of that is is really don't be scared. Like start as simple as you can. So um, I started with with Facebook Lives in Grabbler Connect uh, in the previous Facebook group. And I just started shooting them just from my computer with the same headphones I have on here. I do have a fancy mic, uh, ATR2100, which if you're at Grabbler Connect, this will be the giveaway in six hours or five hours or whenever it is, um, this whole setup. So stay tuned for that and, and join and enter that giveaway. The thing I want to say, yeah, start as simple as you can. If you, if you want to try some Facebook lives, let me know. You can do them in the Grabbler Connect Facebook group. People are probably going to love them. And it's a great way just to get started. And literally you need no gear. Um, you can do them on your phone. You can start to you know, put up uh, YouTube videos, all that stuff sort of works. So um, just getting started and getting started as simple as possible. Don't go buy all this fancy gear if you haven't done it, because you're probably going to put it in your closet and not do it. So just just do it first and get started. Um, that would be kind of my my summary of those points. So I think we can kind of turn our attention now to to the, the the nitty gritty for the the business side. So so what are the different ways that you have either made money or no? Well, let's just say the, the different ways you've made money online through through video? Is that even possible? Do you make any money online through video or are you just doing this for no reason? <laughs> I do it just for fun. Um, well, I do kind of do it just for fun, but no, I, I, there's lots of different ways to do this. And I have, I have a little less experience personally with this, but I have, I have worked either with clients or um, with other content creators on, you know, knowing about these different kinds of modes of ways to make money. For me personally, the video side of things has been more about generating business uh, in other spheres. And whether that's speaking and training or whether that's consulting, the fact that I have an, a YouTube channel and the fact that I, you know, put my face out there means I'm more recognizable when people are looking for speakers. It means that because I can, you know, do this four minute video or whatever on this topic, they know what they're getting when they're hiring a speaker. Same thing with consulting. So because I have sort of a portfolio of my previous videography work, clients, you know, potential clients can look at that and say, oh yeah, no, she's done some good work in these particular areas before she knows what she's doing. It's sort of a proof of concept kind of thing. So I, I view my uh, video making more as a like generation of other business opportunities more than making money in and of itself. That said, I do um, have a couple of ways that either I have made money or other people have made money. The first one is the standard monetization feature on YouTube. 
Now, I will not get on my soapbox about how this has all changed very recently within the last year or so, but uh, if you hit a certain number of subscribers and a certain amount of viewer traffic, so watch time uh, is the metric that YouTube is using, then it unlocks a series of opportunities for making money on your video content. I don't have that amount of watch time or <laughs> I do have the subscribers now, but I don't have the watch time. Um, and, and so I don't make money on my channel, but there are other channels that I either manage or that I have um, worked with to, to hit that level. And then you start, you start to see ad revenue. So what YouTube does, for those of you who aren't familiar, is you can elect to run ads ahead of your content. YouTube then splits a portion of that ad revenue between the creator of the content um, and themselves. So you, you get a portion of that ad revenue um, when you're able to monetize your content on YouTube. Now, that has shifted a lot over the last several years. And there's lots of issues with that. We won't get into all of that today. <laughs> but um, it is still a primary way that a lot of people, a lot of content creators on YouTube make money. Now, there are other things like merch and, you know, other other things that you can kind of advertise on your own channel um, to get your, your audience to participate in other kinds of ways. So those are definitely possibilities. But from the online business side of things, one area that I've uh, branched into a little bit more recently is um, creating kind of a content packet, for lack of a better term. It's called a resilience toolkit is, is what we've called it. So my colleague and I got together and produced a couple of videos, as well as a, a kind of handout kit that's meant to be used in trainings and professional development opportunities for people who want to, to study um, trauma and stress and really understand how is this affecting the kids in my care, that sort of thing. And so it contains video content and also contains um, written content. And we've been selling that as the toolkit on, on the website. And so that's a, an extension of, of, again, video being a, a major component of that thing that we're selling. And we're starting to get school districts and other bigger groups say, oh, we'd love to have, you know, 60 copies of this to, to distribute to our group. How do we do that? So there are ways, again, to use video as a content disbursement mechanism that might not always be free um, that you might put behind a paywall if it's, you know, especially advanced or if it's, um, you know, really high production value or if it's something that's a part of a larger kit that you might, you know, or tool or whatever that you want to sell or uh, market in a different way. So I think when we think about those online funnels of ways for people to interact with you, it's great to have a lot of free content out there, but also think about is there, is there a specific kind of content? content, video content specifically that I want people to pay for. I think that's part of the strategy consideration. And at what point does it make sense to do that? So those are a couple of the, the primary ways. So business generation, um, monetization on YouTube, and then as a part of other online products that you might want to sell. Yeah. And I would, I want to summarize a couple of points there. So uh, we named one, two, named five different types. So using it to, to get speaking gigs to, to prove that you can actually speak. Yep. <laughs> and and look good doing it. Uh, um, so that's that's one. Um consulting work, either you know, in your field as being seen as an expert, even consulting work, um, like like you're doing helping people with their video. YouTube AdWords, which is probably gonna be the lowest moneymaker for, for any of us academics to get started. Um that being said, there are people that have um Leslie Samuels, he he started blogging about biology before he before he no, he did a master's degree, then he started blogging about biology. Then he didn't get a PhD, and he started teaching at a university. Um, so he actually didn't get a PhD degree, but he was blogging on on 
um, biology and doing videos on biology and that sort of stuff. And he had, he had a massive website, a massive blog. Um, he runs becomeablogger.com now. He's got a really cool story and an amazing voice. So you could go check him out. Merch. Uh, we may try to do merch sometime. You might be able to get some fancy bright green grab blogger shirt. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and then kind of packaging. So I like, I like the packaging part. And what I try to tell people is a lot of people will pay for convenience. So I, I never worry about putting out my best stuff like on podcasts or blogging because it's your best stuff is like, say you took one course and you broke it, it'd be 50 pieces of content maybe. Um, so if you put those out one a week for, for 50 weeks, nobody's going to read that and be like, I mean, some people are going to read it, and the people that read it are probably like at the start of the ladder. So you want to kind of build them up to, to how you can help them more. You probably don't want to try to sell stuff to them to begin with because they're working their way at the ladder. They're kind of at that level. Taking that same content, packaging it, selling it in a more efficient way to somebody that, that wants it all and wants to be able to understand in two days, instead of reading 50 weeks worth of blog posts, that has a lot of value. And people kind of worry about putting too much out there um, and not having this option. But this is totally option. I and mean, we're trying to do the same thing with the safety science where we're patching up the knowledge that we're creating and serving under underserved portions of our audience. So for us, that's my independent research company is an industrial safety company. Um, that includes people like firefighters where consultants and equipment manufacturers in my space don't really care about them because they're, they're looking at the industries, but we're saying, well, we could actually help save firefighters from injury and, and help save them from, from being killed in these industrial accidents. Um, so we're patching that up and trying to to put into courses for what we call underserved parts of audience. But the whole the whole point of that is that you can take this content and and pack it together. The first thing is you got to create the content. So that's what that's what we're about here today. That's why we're launching this podcast. That's where you got to get shipping something into the world. It can be written, it can be audio, it can be video. But if you do that for a year or two years, you'll be amazed at just what you can do with repatching, repurposing, what you can do with the personal brand that you've built. It's, uh, it's a really big space and something that's, that's really blown my mind. And it's why I get to sit here in this, this office and, and talk to amazing people like you. Um, it's why we're having the Grab Blogger launch party. That's uh, how we get to do all that is, is through just putting that material into the world. So I guess the best place to leave off, and keep in mind that those you're watching this live in Grab Blogger Connect, please leave questions. Um, in the in the chat box, again, I may try to answer them. I may hurt myself if I do, but we'll we'll push it through to the expert for sure, and we'll get Sarah back on to answer some of those, and they'll come on the podcast video. Um, so definitely do that. But what if you, if I was just getting started today, and and I'm a either a PhD student or maybe a recent grad, maybe I'm struggling to to find employment, or maybe I'm worried about my employment opportunities once I graduate. I know we're all we've all been there. And I have an inkling, like I, I'd like to start doing some video. What advice would you give to somebody that's just in that place about getting started? I mean, the simplest piece of advice is just get started. <laughs> as awful as that sounds, because I know it's hard as I, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> I don't want to start because I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So I think some of it is just get started. I think, but, but you know, to unpack that a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I think one of the things that helped me when I first started off in this video side of the world was watching a lot of other people and figuring out what do I like about what they do and what can I emulate, but also make my own. 
So I watched a lot of Hank and John Green, so the Vlogbrothers, um, for those of you who might be familiar with them. If not, go check them out. They're delightful. But they do a lot of educational content. And um, they have entire channels that are Crash Course and SciShow and these, these really kind of educational empires <laughs> that they've created online. And I loved watching how they would approach teaching somebody new content. And so I think learning from other people, watching what other people are doing and trying to kind of pull that in and, and weave it into your own personality is a great place to start. The other thing is, I think the challenge that us academics can face sometimes is that we forget what about our topic area is really cool to people who don't know anything about it. So everything is cool, right? You know, so, so try to take yourself back to that place when you were first learning about your subject area and you were like, this is the coolest thing ever, <laughs> right? Try to go back to that place. Or if you're, um, if you're doing some teaching right now, try to really hone in on some of those topics that when you're talking with undergrads or when you're talking with people who are new to the field, when their eyes light up and they get excited about like, oh, this is neat. I had no idea. Honing in on some of those topics and kind of recapturing that that fascination was really helpful for me when I first started and was kind of trying to figure out like, what's important to talk about? Like, I don't know what I should talk about with child development. There's so much. And I mean, it's all very straightforward until you realize it's really not like not everybody knows what's in your head. And so thinking about what are those nuggets, those things that have just fascinated you from the beginning and starting there because your, your energy and your fascination and your excitement will come across really well on video. That's one of the, the ways that I think video is a, is a really different medium than some, than written and then um, podcasting as well, because you can really see in somebody's face how excited they are about a topic. And you can really see in the kind of care and the level of editing that they might do to, to really make a topic come to life in a, in a different and new way. And so video has those, those potential ways to express this excitement that you might feel about your, your subject area. So um, yeah, those would be my, my main things, but really just, just dive in. It's, it's fun out here. I promise. <laughs> We're nice. <laughs> That's right. So I, I will say if you, um, if you want a recap of this podcast episode, if you go to the show notes, again, we don't have a number at the time of recording, but we will, I'll stitch it in at the start, um, grabblogger.com slash that number. We'll have, a, we'll have a copy of the transcripts for this episode. We'll probably throw a cheat sheet together as well, just outlining some of those monetization methods for how video drives your business. If you want to know more about Sarah, um, Dr. Langworthy, she, she likes to go by as well, you should... Call me whatever. Hey, you works too. <laughs> hey, you. Um, you should check her out at drlangworthy, L-A-N-G, worthy.com. Check out her YouTube channel, Developmental Enthusiast. Uh, channel and we'll include links in the show notes when they're when they're up as well um, she's dr langworthy on twitter and where's the best place for people to go if they want to get to know you more get to know strategy about video creation if they're part of a nonprofit and they're they're looking for some some video strategy where's the best place for them to check you out yeah, the, the best is probably to um, get in touch with me via my website. Again, that's drlangworthy.com. Um, and yeah, I'm always interested in talking to people, individuals or organizations uh, a little bit about what are your video goals and what are you trying to do? So please reach out. I'm always happy to chat. Um, otherwise, you can always find me on Twitter and I love gift battles. So, you know, hit me up over there too. <laughs>